Can your fixed income stand the test of time? Markets change, but the role of fixed income shouldn't. That's why for more than 40 years, MFS has stayed true to our traditional approach. We call it Essential Fixed Income. Find out more at mfs.com slash fixed income. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an MLB podcast. It's an inaugural MLB podcast, but yeah, Wednesday, March 27th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis, and this is for the 28th, by the way. So if you're hearing this on the 28th, we're just recording it on the 27th. Buddy, I was going to get to that. I I was going to make the distinction about what. No, no, you seemed confused. Sometimes dates give you problems. I just I didn't want to leave it on. You're talking to a guy that like like I would have regretted it. Like I'm a guy that doesn't use Google Calendar for all of his for all of his. uh, appointments at this point okay what's that that's like a new app if you're back with us here this is mlb opening day we're going to talk about thursday's games um we're from daily fantasy sports rankings.com dfsr.com for short and that's optimal labs for FanDuel and DraftKings. mlb and our subscription package covers you for nba rest of the season as well nhl that's a few weeks left of that the plus the playoffs it's all under one package right now this time of year you're going to see people like, oh, buy our baseball package for the whole year. Or, you know, you know, finish off the NBA regular season. That's not really how we do our subscriptions. If we have it up on our site under the membership uh, tab or the, in, in the membership portal, it's all covered under one subscription. It's free for three days, so you can go check it out for opening day. And then just $29.95 a month after that. You're not going to find a better deal in the business. You're going to include uh, premium chat as well. You can get it in. Tilt about baseball, tilt about basketball, cheer when things go well, you know, just kind of like being, uh, sitting with your buddies, chatting on like sports, go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals will get you started, so go and check that out, opening day, but can you mm-hmm. believe baseball is back, I can't believe, it. I've been prepping for this for like the last couple weeks, uh, we just did our big 16 team, 40 person dynasty draft, that was like our sort of final prep, but I mean, in, uh, yeah. in the old can you believe it's MLB or can you believe it's baseball opening day at this point? I feel like it kind of snuck up on us a little bit, even though we've been thinking about it for a while. Um, I don't know what your th- overall thoughts are. We'll talk about them. less less this year than in the past. I'll say that. I feel more more ready for opening day than I did last year, certainly. So I'm excited. DFSR.com deals, buddy. <laughs> slash deals is going to get you started with James feeling more and <laughs> James Davis in the in the uh, on the sales page feeling more confident this you year. You are too. You are too. It's not that I'm feeling more confident. I'm just feeling more more prepared for the uh, monolithic baseball season that starts in March and ends in October. They do start too like early. The, they, like, they do. I just yeah. don't. I'll never. I mean, and they end too late. How about that? <laughs> so maybe we could find a good middle ground here. And even you see guys like Anthony Rizzo, I'll be like, hey guys, 20 games less? What are we thinking about that? And then most people, I think, would probably jump on board. But regardless, we have a bunch of value, I think, coming up on FanDuel and DraftKings for opening day. They, as, as is usually the case, with the opening day slates, the pricing is very soft. So you are getting a situation where, and it'll probably be soft for about a week as prices kind of fluctuate back into, you know, who yeah, Mike Trout should be five thousand, not you know whatever he is now, or fifty four hundred or something like that, um, or probably six thousand maybe by the time it's all said and done. Uh, but you're getting the sites that want the casual player to be able to put in. Lineups a little easier than usual, and as the season goes on, I mean, especially if we see it with FanDuel, as they got more aggressive with their um, NBA pricing this year, I'm wondering if we'll see the same thing with baseball as well. Because last year we would get you know leadoff hitters that were very cheap for weeks and weeks on end, and, and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see if FanDuel's aggressive pricing when it came to NBA carries over to MLB as well. We're going to take a look at this slate. We're we're not going to go game by game. We are going to go through. 
bunch of pitchers that we can see rolling in cash games for opening day, and then uh, some stacks, maybe five, four to five stacks that we think you can roll through in cash games as well. Um, we'll probably keep it more on the cash game side of things, maybe mention some GBPs. I will say that baseball, if, if you're new to baseball at DFS, stacking is really the way to go. People will do it in cash and in tournaments just because, you know, uh, points tend to compound more. No, no, they don't tend to compound more. They just do compound more <laughs> per team because players Well, help. and there's two reasons for that. Go Obviously, ahead. like the players are near each other, but the other piece is that matchup in baseball is really... So like in basketball, for instance, you can be going up against the Rockets and it's very different if Chris Paul or James Harden covers you. In baseball, the whole team is against the same typically bad pitcher in a stack. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it just winds up becoming very intuitive. And you're, you're oftentimes park really matters too, right? So, you know, if you're in Coors or Yankee Stadium or one of these parks that tends to play to a certain, you know, side of power or whatever. Uh, yeah, so yeah, stacking in baseball, definitely the way to go. And hopefully people will find this year's art, or podcast format and article format on our site a little bit more intuitive. Yep. Um, and there are some of those parks on the slate today. There are some of those bad, you know, some teams, there's some, there's some, enough teams in baseball that not everyone can start a ace level pitcher each time. You're going to, which is very clear for a couple of these teams as we go through some of the teams that we're going to want to stack again. But opening day is different too, because you do get um, more, almost more than any other day of the year, you get a bunch of good pitchers because most teams are throwing out their best and their brightest. So let's talk about some of the pitchers that we could see. And and look, you're getting guys that won the Cy Young. You're getting all basically the top, you know, three voters in each league in the Cy Young all pitching sure. pitch on the same slate. That's really almost never going to happen again. It happens maybe for the first two rounds or the first like two cycles of pitching rotations to start the year, but then after that, days off and you know people getting banged up and how deep your rotation goes is going to mean that those teams don't overlap their good pitchers enough. But on the first day, we do get a lot of them. I started off, I wrote up Scherzer. He he faces DeGrom, but, and usually you kind of, you, you want the money line to be in your favor a little bit more for the win expectation. And you're not going to get that as much when Scherzer, when, you know, two ace level guys like this uh, stack off again, or excuse me, face off against each other. I mean, could you see him? He's still expensive, but probably not as expensive as he should be. Eleven hundred on DraftKings, and then uh, I'll click over. Eleven hundred. Whoa. Oh, I mean, That's sorry, eleven thousand. Sorry, eleven eleven thousand on DraftKings, and then uh, <laughs> eleven seven on FanDuel. Expensive. Uh, not doesn't not the thirteen thousand. I think that we saw some of these guys climb to near the end of the season last year. So expensive, but not cost prohibitive. I, I can go through some of the stats, but. Does it make does it make sense to you on a day full of aces that we're seeing when we run lineups at least this early, you know, 24 hours before games start, that we're seeing Scherzer show up in a lot of them? There's a couple other guys that are there too, but Scherzer's showing up right now in 100% of DraftKings labs. Do the, the, the numbers bear out for you there? I think so. I think the there's a lot of things going right for Scherzer, obviously. I mean, first, obviously, it's just the strikeouts. Uh, if you want to compare him to some of the other guys that we're going to bring up as viable plays, no one else is going to be in that 12 plus K per nine stratosphere. Uh, Scherzer added strikeouts and reduced the walks last yep. season and was really a sight to behold from a fantasy perspective. He also went deep into games, throwing 220 innings uh, for the fourth time in five years. So, in terms of safety, in terms of the strikeout upside, it's really hard to find anything too much better. Uh, you know, we're going to drop a lot of DFS themes as the year goes on, but. Pitching in an NL park, which of course means he has 11% fewer real hitters to face. <laughs> like, he'll get to face DeGrom, where other pitchers will have to face a real batter. So, yeah, just a lot working in his favor. The Mets, they do add Cano in the offseason. Um, they lost Flores. They lost Jay Bruce. They lost a couple other guys. The, the lineup is not really 
necessarily improve. They are. You can see turnaround years from a guy like Conforto. We've always been pretty high on him. Like I think that he does have sort of bounce back quality in him in terms of just OBP kind of stuff. They are going to uh, play. Uh, excuse me, hit Nemo lead off, and it looks like Jeff McNeil is going to hit second. This is a younger team that could. Be surprised you a little bit. Could be better than last year. Still not a team that you're all that scared about. So I have no no issue with Scherzer at least in draft at least in DraftKings. He's a little closer in FanDuel with an all day slate paying that much because there are some other good guys to to consider here. But yeah, Scherzer. It, it's so crazy too because he. I'll talk about Verlander here in a second. But to increase your strikeouts in your age 34 season is like nuts. Like this, he had a full one full more strikeout per nine than he did in 2016. That's it's so crazy, like this this late in his career to just get better. Verlander had a very similar theme. Um, I don't know if just new rules or just you know analytics are getting better that allow guys like this to just continue to increase their strikeouts because some we did see guys spike strikeouts um, over the course of the season. But uh, the other guy that I wrote up is Tanaka. Yeah, he gets to face the Orioles. Oh boy, the Orioles were terrible last year. They <laughs> and they've gotten worse this year. It's unbelievable. How could they be? I, I was looking at this last night. I mean, I already knew they were terrible, but I was just kind of like just jumping on their records and kind of like, you know, what their pitching staff was going to look like. Because you play fantasy, you really don't need to spend much time thinking about the Orioles at all. They have almost nobody on that team. Like they had some guys like Chris Davis was like on pace for like a record worst war on the season. And they just and they got rid of Adam Jones. Obviously, they traded Manny Machado during the, during the season last year. Um Tanaka gets to face him. Usually we don't want to roster pitchers in Yankee Stadium because, especially on this late, it's one of the best hitters parks in baseball. And I'm not sure it matters. I mean, the Orioles are just that bad. Do you care that we're getting the worst side of the park, but it seems like we're getting the best side of every other matchup when it comes to Tanaka versus Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, if the Yankees were facing the Heightstown Rams, my <laughs> high school, uh, then it even wouldn't matter if it was in Yankee League Stadium, Yankee Stadium or like the local Little League park where I played on Airport Road, you know? It's just, <laughs> and this is kind of the matchup you're looking at right now. The Orioles last season, they I think they were okay. They were only the second worst in the AL in terms of uh, WOBA against right-handed pitching. They're a top ten teams in terms of strikeout percentage. Like we already said, they're kind of younger and worse. Uh, basically, several positions this year. I think Tanaka and I think Tanaka too, just kind of generally underrated. You know, he's a guy very solid in spite of the fact that he pitches in Yankee Stadium, still managed to have more than a strikeout per inning and had a walk per night or walks per nine under two for his whole career. So really just an excellent pitcher. The ERA has oftentimes been higher than the XFIP, but I think he's in line for another good season. So Yeah, yeah, that is a theme it. for him. He has a career of ERA higher than XFIP, which, I mean, after a certain amount of time, that can be something yep. that just maintains. But it's not it's not an egregious amount. He's got a 3.6 career ERA, 3.3 career XFIP. And like I well, said, the home I mean, run to fly ball has always been a problem for him, right? So last two seasons, 18% and 21% home run to fly ball rate. That's really high. And at a sample size that's getting that large, looks somewhat sustainable. And, you know, righty pitchers against strong lefty bats in Yankee Stadium is going to make that happen every once in a while. Uh, I think the Orioles, though, just don't really have the bats to punish him. And I think for that reason, he's a lot safer than, like you said, it might appear given where he's pitching today. Orioles projected lineup uh, for tomorrow. Cedric Mullins, Jonathan VR, Mancini, Chris Davis, Joey Ricard. He might not play. He, he They might platoon somebody in that spot against the righty. R- Renato Nunez, DJ Stewart, Richie Martin, Pedro Severino. So have a season in Baltimore. Don't, and by the way, it doesn't get much better when you scroll down to the old starting five, which we're going to get to <laughs> when we get to when we talk about stacks uh, in a couple of minutes. But Baltimore going to make a run. I think at what was their league worst record last year, it'd be hard to imagine they're 
anything better than it last year. And yes, it, it, you can almost imagine that, I think, yeah, 115 losses. You can imagine they're right, right in that range again, which in modern day baseball, it's almost like you're trying to do it. So we do think Tanaka, at least for the draft, DraftKings right now has split their slates up into early and afternoon or main, they're calling it. Whereas FanDuel, as of right now, simply has the main slate, which is running the entire day. So Right. right. When we when we run lineups for early, for us it's easily on DraftKings, Scherzer and Tanaka as your stack, and then we'll talk about some of the excuse me as your as your two pitchers. We'll talk about some of these stacks in a second, and then on Fanduel it's a little closer. Like right now, Tanaka is in like sixty percent of lineups with Scherzer kind of hanging around as well. So um, there's it's not totally clear that you're going to go one over the other, and I think eventually they're going to break this up into into just like you know an early slate and an afternoon slate as well. So I think you'll have a chance to kind of roster a bunch of different pitchers. Uh, when we move into the afternoon games, we're, I talk about Scherzer spiking his strikeouts in his age 34 season. That was kind of like nothing compared to what Verlander did in his age 36 <laughs> season. Like he moves over to the Astros. So it's a good sign because the Astros are so analytic heavy and they've had success yeah. with guys being like, yeah, at this point, if the Astros are asking to trade a pitcher to you, I th- you should take a long look at what you've been doing with that pitcher because – now we have guys like Verlander, Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton kind of did it to some degree, where these guys come over and all of a sudden they just start striking tons of guys out. Like, are we in a situation where the Astros like seem like they're just understanding something more than other teams are? Because Verlander, his last season with the Tigers struck out 10 per nine. Then he switched teams. He had nine and a half strikeouts per nine in 2017. And then goes all the way to 12.2 strikeouts per nine. 1.56 walks. Easily the Again, best Again, as numbers. a 35-year-old last year, by the way. This so, is what I mean. Not a young this man. Is, <laughs> this is crazy to do this this late in this in a in a career to just get better by many percentage points. I, like just it's not not even close. Like we talked about Scherzer improving. This is like I said, nothing compared to what Verlander did. Yeah, his performances are better than than Scherzer's last year. So it's nuts. Um, do you think that the Astros just does it seem like now the Astros just get something that the other teams don't? And then are you still trusting? That this isn't just a blip on Verlander's radar, because again, we do have to worry about age with pitchers. Like that's just, that is a very real thing. What are your thoughts on the Astros here and the and Verlander as well? Yeah, so I think starting with Verlander, I think he is a, a really really excellent play. Uh, I think for all the reasons you said, I have no reason to believe that last year was a fluke, just given the Astros' track record of being able to help pitchers improve dramatically. I mean, you have to give a little bit of pause, given how old he is now. Uh, Vegas doesn't seem to be too concerned. This game has the lowest total overall on the slate today. It's 6.5, and, yeah. and Verlander's a minus-132 favorite. So I think if you take all that together, you probably can be pretty bullish on it. Uh, the Rays last year weren't a doormat they've been in the past. They were actually a, just an above-average team and a slightly above-average offense. But one drum that we've beaten many times on this podcast is Tampa Bay, an underrated pitcher's park. You know, it really is... It's probably is it the best pitchers park in the AL? It's close between them yeah. and Anaheim. Uh, no, it, 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 it's, it's, it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. And yeah, it's it's on that level at the very least. And I think for that reason, uh, not worried about Blake Snell going the other way. In spite of his excellent year last year as well, I think you probably can do pretty well, especially if you're playing these 4 p.m. slates, so you don't get Scherzer and Tanaka on them. Uh, I think in that case, Verlander is clearly the class of the later slate here. And so a couple things to note about power pitchers in general, not all of them, but a lot of them, and then Verlander especially, is that power pitchers tend to also be fly ball pitchers. So the just you know the, the skill set that allows you to rack up strikeouts is also the thing that can sometimes leave the ball up in zones and just get the ball up in the air more than you're you know you're, you're throwing less off speed stuff, you're throwing you know less sinker ball, less curveball stuff that's going or excuse me less sinker ball, uh, less changeup stuff that's going to result in ground balls. Really, the sinker is what gets you there. But Scherzer has a fifty one percent. 
he did climb to a 51% fly ball rate last year, while actually, interestingly enough, keeping the home runs per fly ball in the same percentage. So just generated more fly balls, which i.e. easier to make outs. But this is the exact place where you're not going to get punished for doing that, right? So you are, you can have almost in, in, in Tropicana, you can have as many fly balls as you want. They're all basically going to stay in the park. So um, his his batted ball prof profile lines up perfectly for this park. Like you mentioned, six and a half point over under a run over under that's the, the lowest of the slate i think the scherzer de Gram one had a seven over under so um and that's because he's getting blake snell going the other way who was excellent last year won the cy young so uh the lineup for the rays right now not too different than last year uh kiermaier fam joey wendell they did have at avisel garcia lost cj cron in the offseason uh, then they have some young guys like meadows and adamas that look like they're gonna start near the bottom of the lineup so i mean they're young and they could make some hay i suppose but this is not a lineup that we're really all that worried about. I did look up real quick. Verlander did make a slight adjustment where he just threw his fastball a little bit more last year, kind of got rid of the changeup, um, and that was really the big change. He just like replaced more, less, a few less changeups with a few more fastballs. Uh, but overall, right. like I said, if, you, if the Astros come calling about one of your pitchers, get your scouts together and get your analytics team together and wonder why they might, what they might see in that guy that's going to turn them into a, just a strikeout beast. Finally. Um, I think we might disagree here a little bit on a fourth pitcher. We kind of tend to keep the podcast to four to five pitchers that we want to mention as to, so as to not overload guys that we think are, are good plays. I wrote up Barrios. He's an underdog. How, how worried are you when you don't have, for a cash from a cash game perspective, do not have the win expectation in your favor for a pitcher? Is that Does a pitcher need to be really good for that to be the case? Or can sometimes some of the numbers, like if the offense isn't as good behind him, the numbers can bear out because he is he's a guy that is definitely an underdog today to Kluber. And I kind of I like him in this matchup. Um, Why? I, I, the Indians were really a pretty brutal matchup last year for righties. They were uh, third in the majors in WOBA and the hardest team to strike out. So I guess I'm curious where your various love comes from. Okay, so one is Price. He's he For the peripherals that he has, his like he's basically has the same peripherals as Kluber for, like I think, like $2,000 less on both sites. I'll double-check that in a second. But um, that was one. Two, I'm kind of expecting the Indians to be— well, they're already without Francisco Lindor, and I think they're going to be without Jose Ramirez, who fouled the ball off his leg in late in spring training and was in a lot of pain. And I don't think—if he—it kind of— I hate to be one batter specific about a team, about where I kind of land in terms of how worried I am about it. But I think that him plus Lindor being out, plus they do have some changes in their in their lineup. Like they replace Edward Encarnacion with Carlos Santana. That's not going to help your strikeouts all that much, but it will help against the power. They added Hanley Ramirez uh, in the middle of the lineup. That doesn't really scare you. And then the bottom of the Indians lineup is Tyler Naquin. Linos Martinez, Roberto Perez, Brad Miller. Like this is a slightly different team than last year. So I don't really want to compare too much of last year's numbers to this year's team because I don't think there's just enough turnover for the Indians. Um, does that enough to dissuade you? This is to me on paper, especially if, if Ramirez is out, knowing again, knowing Lindor is already out too. This team does not look really all that scary from a lineup perspective. I think it's, you know, you're making a good case for Barrios as a big tournament play. I think it's essentially akin to lighting money on fire to play him in cash though right like can we at least agree on that you're gonna or at least maybe it's not lighting money on fire but it's welcoming in a world of variance uh and sure you get a little bit of savings here but grabbing him instead of like max scherzer or even tanaka from my perspective just seems like really aggressive like i just don't in spite of all the changes for the indians they've still got some ball players out there and 
if I can go up against teams like you read off the Orioles lineup earlier. If I can, well, hold on, we'll pause for a second because I'm not them. talking. I'm not comparing those games because those are on the early slate, and I'm talking the I'm talking the afternoon Strictly slate. Strictly for the late slate. I'm talking on the afternoon slate on DraftKings, and the pitching the pitching on the afternoon slate is you do have Verlander, which I already mentioned. You have Kluber. I'll, I'll go through some of these other guys. You have Kluber, who our system does like a little bit more, but you get a fifteen hundred dollars savings from Kluber down to Barrios, um, and that's and I'm. Uh, speaking strictly savings. You have Snell, who faces the Astros, and I, that is not a team that changed, and that is not really where you want to be. And then you yeah. get down to, like, um, Ryu, and then it really drops off to that, like Carlos Rodon, Zach Greinke, not that good, uh, Luis Castillo um, in Cincinnati, which is not a place you really want to be. And then and then the list gets way worse, like Tyon and Eric Lauer and Fear. So I, I, this is, I'm not comparing him to Verlander, I'm not comparing him to Tanaka, but because I'm, I'm mostly talking about the afternoon slate of games. I'm more just going, like, maybe challenge play between him and Kluber for knowing that you're getting the $1,500 savings. I'll do it that as the play because that's kind of the thing I mentioned in the article. Um, taking the savings, taking Barrios' peripherals against, I think, against a, a definitely compromised Indians team. Um, is that enough to, to sort of sway you away from at least the lighting money on fire comment? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're specifically only talking late slate, I Guess I'm willing to listen. I don't know why you kind of spit Jameson Tyon's name out of your mouth like he was one of these, oh, like, obviously terrible plays or anything. He's... No, no, no. It was the park. Uh, sorry. It was okay. he's pitching in Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's lineup actually has improved. So that's just I, I kind of just don't really want to be okay. against an improved. Although they, they lo- did lose Gannett um, to an injury, but the uh, it was more about Park and and the, the Reds. I do think are I'm, I'm very bullish on the Reds this year going and with some of the changes. Oh, that's right. You've, you've wrote your famous article on our site. If you didn't get a chance to read it yet, uh, you wrote your article taking the Reds over in terms of this year's wins total, right? I bet everything on the Reds this year. Um, like I should bring up what I, I bet, like to win the Central, to win the World Series. Um, I mean, the World at, Series. At, <laughs> He's major ready, odd, folks. at major odds, I like it was getting like uh, okay, good. plus eight thousand, something like that. I can't. I'll look it up real quick. Um, no, I, it was it was also just like in the midst of doing research on the Reds. I was like, the Reds are the best. As I looked at the, <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me too. For as sure. I, was, as I, I did was the making, same thing when I was doing the Phillies. I was like, the Phillies have improved it literally. Every position. They could have a better war at every single position. Oh, here we go. Here, here are the Reds bets that I have in. Reds to win the NL pennant at plus 4,300. Reds to win the world. Oh, excuse me. To make the No, excuse me. Win the World Series at plus 8,000. Uh, to win the National League uh, pennant. Oh, I bet that twice because I was so excited. Whoops. <laughs> 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 at plus 4,300. And then to win the NL Championship Series at, 80, at plus 1,850. And also their season over total wins at 7,700. Or excuse me, seventy-seven. But I got, I, had, I had to give odds on that at minus one twenty-five. Either way, yes, all all on the Reds. But we, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Barrios versus Kluber. Um, the, versus Tyon is actually what we were talking about. <laughs> sorry. Oh, did you want? Uh, why did you did, did you want to talk about Tyon like specifically? No, I think I think Tyon's an interesting big tournament play. Uh, I think the Reds last season uh, they were good at home for sure. They still strike out a lot against right-handed pitchers, and they you know in spite of putting up a nice WOBA at home. They still struck out the sixth most of any team at home, too. So I think, you know, lineups change over. I think I get that the teams are different and so on and so forth. But I think you also just have to you got to start somewhere. And it's going to be difficult for a podcast format to be like, well, they struck out 24% of the time against Reddies last year. But they dropped this guy and added this guy and dropped this guy and added this guy. So I'm still going to use last year as a general baseline for discussion. So I think there's interesting big tournament upside there. That's that's really all I wanted to say about Tyon. I, in my mind, he's a similar play to Berrios on the big tournament side. 
Um, just a final note on this. I will say that when you run lineups on our side, you do get Kluber over Barrios, even with the price difference, mostly just because the pricing is soft. We don't have our projections on those two guys all that different. I think we have Kluber, yeah, we have Kluber at 21 DraftKings points, and we have Barrios at 18 and a half DraftKings points. So definitely some in his favor. If the pricing was a little more aggressive on some of the other relevant bats, I think that this would probably be a closer decision, but it is still pretty weak. And I uh, I really wouldn't be surprised, especially if Jose Ramirez is out, to see that line swing just a little bit more toward, maybe toward a pick something like that for for the Twins. And maybe that's being a little too bullish on like how good one batter is, but Ramirez really was uh, that good last season. And again, I'm not totally well, sold on the Indians. One other thing I want to point out about this before we like move on, because I can hear it in your voice, you're ready to move on, yep. is, <laughs> is Kluber goes deeper into games than Berrios. Uh, he has a much longer track record of doing so. And last year, starts one more game, uh, but pitches 23 more innings. So I do think, and if you're just talking strictly peripherals, Kluber and Berrios struck out, like Kluber struck out a, a couple fewer batters than Berrios, but he walked half as many batters. So mm-hmm. I think it's not totally fair to uh, to really compare them peripherally. I think Kluber is a demonstrably better pitcher than Berrios. But fair enough. And I that's... and I'm just going to say this again because I really said this many times. Price is a factor for me here too. Like I, of course. There, there's the price does is part of the reason I weighed in on going the Berrios route. Uh, and again, I did buck our system just a little bit. All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here, and then we will get into some stacks that you can look at in cash. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. All right, stacks. We're going to roll through some cash game stacks. I think you can easily do this on both slates this today. And there really is, from a pitching perspective, teams are fully in the have and have not category in terms of pitchers. And you can really, if you want to, not like you need this usually as a fan, but if you want to know your team's chances at having a good season, just look at who they're throwing out on opening day, and you'll know pretty much how the next 162 are going to go. Not 100%, but if you're throwing, you know, Max Scherzer as your opening day pitcher, okay. We're looking at something. If you're throwing Andrew Kashner as your opening day pitcher, uh, I don't know. There's a. It's gonna be a long season. Do you think Kashner's the worst? Is this guy the worst opening day pitcher ever? I, I should go back and look at this. But yeah, it, I don't know. We we have discussions about guys like this every year. Didn't like Francisco Liriano open a day. Uh, at least that guy recently. can strike people out. Like at least Liriano can like strike yeah, out guys for two, two in, for two innings. Like he might walk the ballpark too. But at least at least like you're gonna see a swing and a miss. Kashner's peripherals. <laughs> Well, I will say in Cashner's favor, he did improve. He's tall. Well, he's, he's tall, tall, man. He had a good beard. He had a good beard for <laughs> so a while. Love that. And you do? Do you think he like kind of like was patting himself on the back for the improvement he showed from 2017 to 2018? In 2017, 4.6 Ks per nine, and then he just spikes it to 5.82 Ks per nine in 2018. And you think he's like, 
I'm a guy headed in the right direction, baby. Now, of course, the walks went the wrong direction. He did have to sacrifice a few walks to get those strikeouts back up. Three and a half strikeouts, or walks per nine, <laughs> up to 3.82 in 2008. And this guy is all... Effectively wild. <laughs> Effectively. Well, actually, I, was... I remember reading an article, like a hilarious... It was like from one of those sites that just makes fun of stupid baseball writers, which, you know, like like Fire Joe Morgan yeah, was yeah. the original one, but it was like a, a spinoff of that. And it was talking about this article from like a Texas beat writer about how Andrew Castro was like driving all the nerds crazy with his great 2017 season where he had a 3.4 ERA in spite of having low strikeouts. And it was like, I thought the point was to get batters out, not strike them out and like all oh, that boy. stuff. And like, it was really nice to see him improve peripherally last year and just absolutely go in the tank everywhere else so yeah and like a, the, a little win for the good guys that's you like to see it sometimes in the freezing cold take territory like on twitter that is the one that never ages the uh, the, the stupid baseball writer that doesn't understand that not being able to strike guys out is just a recipe for disaster or you know or walking as many guys as you strike it's out just, you'll, you will be bad very soon that's the that's <laughs> the one takeaway so don't look if you're just playing season-long fantasy or you're just a fan of some team don't get optimistic about the guy that just has a good ERA, but bad everything else. Just save yourself the trouble of embarrassing yourself in front of your smarter friends. That's, that's my <laughs> Baseball really does bring out the bad ideas. I, that's like the one thing I yeah. need to mentally steal. <laughs> that's the one thing I really, every season, like need to do some like deep meditations and mentally steal myself for. Although this year I kind of, um, my mantra, my mantra, I'm mostly talking about like in chat and it's like Twitter and some of these ideas that you see espoused. I mean, they're not even good ideas. They're just things that people think and they're just generally wrong. But man, baseball... More than it's because the game's so slow, you have time to think. Basketball doesn't allow you the time to think. It's harder to, to figure out like what's happening uh, in in like the milliseconds. Baseball, you, all you do is have time to think and just stare at some of these numbers and wonder, or just convince yourself the guys are good or bad or whatever it is. Anyway, Yankees against Cashner here seems like they're going to be a popular stack. Now they are one team that is priced up pretty accordingly with their talent level, at least like. Stanton and Judge specifically are two of the most expensive hitters in the slate, but there's some good value on the Yankees too. Aaron Hicks is going to miss at least opening day, maybe like the first week. That's going to move Brett Gardner up into the leadoff spot, presumably. Do you think Gardner's a chalk play here? He's going to hit, I mean, he's going to hit leadoff in Yankee Stadium for the Yankees at uh, like mid-2000s, something like that, prices. Yeah, he's, oh no, it's going to be uh, mid-3000, 3600 on DraftKings. And he is, uh, I think he's in the mid-2000s. Do you think he's going to be chalk? And then what do you think about some of these other hitters? He probably will be. Uh, it's worth noting that Gardner's been bad <laughs> for oh, two yeah. years in a row. Yep. And we have... And, you know, not terrible for fantasy purposes, I should say. Uh, just more like from real-life baseball purposes. Uh, last year, he still did manage 12 home runs and 16 steals. So it's not like he was totally absent. And really, it was a, a decline in Babbitt that killed his overall triple slash line. He went from being a perennial 300 hitter to... Or, I'm sorry, 300 Babbitt guy to last year dipping down to 272. So I think you could see a return to form in some way for Gardner this year. And obviously he's still plenty fast. I mean, if you're stealing 20 bases a year, you're not a slow man. So I think you see the Babip come back up. And I think Gardner's probably a little bit better than he was last year. And I think that will turn him into a pretty, I mean, he'll be an excellent DFS play tonight, but just a reasonable option overall until yeah, he comes back. Like I said, 2,700 on... 2700 on fan, on FanDuel is just not nothing to pay for a leadoff hitter with this kind of run expectation. So yeah. almost almost like no matter who it is, like even the if, only basically with the only good pitching matchup on the day too, like it's it's an easy play. Exactly. So um, I'm not too worried about that uh, guy. I, I actually can see really see a bounce back season for Gary Sanchez here. Like Gary San, he really struggled last year, but this guy's a year removed from just being. I'm basically the best offensive catcher in baseball. I know he was much maligned. And when you play in Yankee Stadium, there's, like, there's questions about like his work ethic and whether he's lazy or not and you know things like that. But last year, so yeah, last year the OPS was under, 
It was right at 700, which is a disaster for him. This is coming off an eight, uh, sorry, like an 880 OPS the season before we had 33 home runs. But guy still walks like 12%, still walked 12% of the time last year. He just got killed by, he got killed by BABIP, hit a sub 200 BABIP on the season. Um, and that was, he still hit 18 home numbers in, in uh, 374 play appearances. He's coming like too cheap to me. Usually we're hard pressed to start catchers on draft, excuse me, on FanDuel just because you can start a catcher or first baseman. At 3,300, can you see a bounce back season from Sanchez? We'll move on to some of the other teams in a second, but he's a guy that I really like to come back around. And I know mostly like Yankee media was disappointed just in his overall performance last year. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly understand the disappointment. He looked like he was going to be a burgeoning superstar. And when you take a step back, and it's a really significant step back, uh, that's naturally going to be disappointing. But I think the combination of the injury issues, ridiculously bad Babbitt luck, I I think you're going to see a really significant return to form for Sanchez too. And, you know, early in the season, like, you know, one of the themes that we'll talk about as the season goes along is where the value comes from. Because baseball you know it's a long season guys tend to get priced relatively efficiently relatively quickly so you got to think about where your value comes from early in the season it's going to come from increased opportunity in the case of a guy like Gardner or coming off a season of run bat in the case of a guy like Sanchez so I think you can definitely play him early on unless you assume that you know he, he began his decline in his age 25 season which seems pretty unrealistic I think Sanchez is actually a, a very very solid bet to be at least as good as he was in 2017 if not even better Yep, and like guys, obviously, we don't even need to talk about guys like Stanton and Judge against low strikeout pitchers like Cashner. This is exactly where you want to roster them. Um, these guys, their their bugaboo is mostly just strikeouts, and when that's kind of being taken off the table because of the opposing pitcher, uh, it's worth paying up probably for at least one of them. Uh, our system is liking playing Stanton in this in this matchup, particularly. But Judge, like you can make a pretty you know one to one case. Keep an eye out for the Yankees lineup too, because we're assuming Gardner hits leadoff if Luke Voigt jams in as the lefty hitter between some of these righty hitters like if they don't want to go stanton judge sanchez all righties right in a row there's a lot of value in his lefty bat probably jammed into the middle of the order there we'll keep an eye out for that as teams release their orders i'm going to mention something about that at the end um remind me to say something about teams releasing batting orders give me a stack that you are are kind of onto as well today Ooh, where to begin so if you set aside the yankees which i think are going to be the clear chalk I actually do think there are plenty of other kind of bad pitchers going today. Uh, Mike Miner is the guy I'm keying in on. He's going up against the Cubs today. Miner last year, so he's another guy like Andrew Kashner where it looks like, like I think people were high on him for kind of the wrong reasons. He looked good out of the bullpen for the Royals in 2017. Uh, Then he went and pitched for the Rangers and kind of showed that he's what he's always been basically, which is generally below average fly ball pitcher without the strikeout stuff to back it up and going up against the Cubs in one of the most hitter-friendly parks in all of the majors. Again, understanding that Miner's not a terrible pitcher by any means, but by opening day pitcher standards, he's got to be one of the bottom five guys going, and he's actually going against an effective offense. So uh, I'll take Miner, or stacking against Miner, stacking against his 1.43 home runs per nine that he allowed last season, super high fly ball rate, uh, and particularly, and I think this is really important, early in the season where you got weather concerns basically everywhere pitching in texas means they're going to get much milder weather which tends to be a lot more forgiving for the home run ball so i think stacking the cubs against minor for that reason is a really nice option here yeah i forgot to mention that with the weather piece uh with some of the pitchers before uh it is something to keep in mind especially some of these outdoor stadiums in this late spring it's still it can still be pretty cold in some of these spots texas oh yeah dude i'm looking outside right now (laughs) it was 35 degrees when i walked my dog in new hampshire so just another reason to wait another month to start baseball but um 
Text Arlington, uh, Globe, Globe Life Park in Arlington. It really rolls off the tongue when you're mentioning the stadium. Um, <laughs> did did allow the most runs in the majors last year. Yeah. Now part of that is their pitching staff as compared. Like this is not this is not um, regress for Park or like you know it's not made to excuse me uh, for for pitching staff because the, let's say the Rockies are clearly the best. Colorado is clearly the best place just in a neutral environment to hit, but their pitching staff was so much better last year, like with Marquez and Freeland and guys, Tyler Anderson, guys like this, as opposed to what the Rangers were throwing out. So that is part of it. And that being said, this is generally the same Rangers pitching staff as well. So you're going to be much in the same spot stacking uh, in Arlington. Now, I think the Cubs are the other team that I wrote out. I love Chris Bryant as another guy to bounce back this year. He struggled last year, but it was mostly against righties. He still killed lefties in his 100 plate appearances that he had. He was injured for a lot of the season, but he had like an 1,100 OPS in those 100 plate appearances, which is a small sample size, but it at least continues a trend that we've seen from him uh, just in terms of just being able to crush lefties. Uh, guys like him, uh, Baez, I'm not, I'm not as high as Baez as repeating his breakout sort of 2018, but that being said, he's still a good value here. I just don't think... I don't think he's going to be able to maintain some of the home runs that he did last year. And then, as always, with the Cubs, just keep an eye out for what they're going to do with their with their lineup, too. Because right now, we sort of project Zobris to hit leadoff, but that really hasn't always been the case against lefties. Like, they could move Almora up there. We'll have to keep an eye about what they do, because this is a spot they will kind of shift around uh, when it comes to platoons. But, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you with the Cubs. I, I wrote up the, the Blue Jays as well as a, as a cheap team to look at. They get to face Jordan Zimmerman. Now the Blue Jays. This is a, this is the kind of a value one because they're not going to have the name power of the Yankees or the Cubs with all you know the Bryants and the Rizzo's and the Carlo, Giancarlo Stans and whatnot. But they get to face. They do get to face uh, a weaker arm in Zimmerman. It's a good park. The, the the dome should be closed in Toronto, which really helps power there as opposed to being open. Mm-hmm. That's something to keep an eye on over the course of the season. I get wrote up guys like Smoke and Kendris Morales who take a lot of walks in the middle of the lineup. Lords Guriel and Billy McKinney as mostly just cheap value plays hitting the top of the lineup. Is this a case where, I mean, can you, do you want to throw some shade on this? Because it's Toronto and like, it's just, I don't know, these guys aren't maybe names that really jump off of you because I really wrote them up in terms of run expectation and price. No, I don't, I don't want to throw too much shade. I think I, again, beggars can't be choosers and opening day. Everyone's very excited to play DFS baseball until they try to make lineups when, all of the very best pitchers in baseball are pitching, and then yep. you realize it's mostly like as far as batters are concerned. And pitchers, you just got your pick. You can go, you're like Verlander, you know Tanaka. You're just, it's right. a, a wealth of riches. You're just like the fat king being served grapes on your big cushy pillow or whatever. And then you get to the hitters, and you're like, right, it's a four game slate. <laughs> right. So I think I'm not going to be too picky, especially when it comes to cheap guys who could show improvement this season, like the young guys you mentioned. I also think Zimmerman. And there's another guy I'm going to talk about after this, uh, you know, in terms of stacks for GPPs and, and cash games alike. Zimmerman, while he showed some improvement last year, still does a lot of things that you like to see if you're stacking a team against him. Yeah. He gave up 1.92 home runs per nine last year and 131 innings. That is absurdly high. <laughs> like that's that's like basically batting practice level. And I get that he added some Ks last year, but for him, reducing the walks means it just increases the upside for the opposing batters going up against him. So in spite of having reasonable strikeout-to-walk rate, the uh, high fly ball rate, and just the ridiculous amount of hard contact this guy gives up makes him a really perfect guy to stack against because, especially if you're playing in big tournaments, you don't really care if a guy gets the odd strikeout or two. You're looking for the long ball, and Zimmerman certainly allows that in spades. Home runs are just so disproportionately... uh, 
beneficial in baseball like this is one thing that actually drives me crazy about baseball sometimes but it would be akin to in basketball if there was just a 15 point shot you could shoot <laughs> and um given that zimmerman allows the most 15 point shots of anyone pitching today i think he's a great guy to stack against yep uh give me one more stack before we get out of here um for the day i mean there's we there are a couple more i think we could probably talk about um but yeah give me one more uh, stack that you like in terms of just maybe rolling for cash games Sure. So this one, I think it's going to be probably, I mean, it's, it's okay for cash, but it's going to be a lot more effective for big tournaments. And that's stacking the Brewers against Miles Mikolas. Uh, Mikolas last season, you know, returns from Japan is this great story. He goes 18 and four for the Cardinals. He's in some, you know, Cy Young talks, stuff like that. It's all ridiculous. I mean, he didn't, he's not any better than when he went over to Japan. Maybe he's actually, I take it back. He's slightly better. He walks basically no one. But again, if we're sitting here trying to stack for big tournaments, you're not unhappy with a guy who never gives up any walks because you can still put together pretty big innings. Last year, Nicholas really depressed the home run ball. Uh, he was actually a pretty effective ground ball pitcher overall, uh, generating a 49% ground ball rate, which if you're new to baseball, that sounds like, oh, it's less than half of his balls in play. That's really high. Uh, you know, pitchers don't tend to come anywhere near 50% ground ball rate, especially in the more strikeout happy future that we tend to live in right now. But all that being said, he strikes out basically no one. You know, he strikes out six and a half batters per nine innings, which means you're going to see a lot of balls in play. And that can just lead to a lot of big innings. You know, he wasn't punished for it that much last year. Uh, you know, if you use XFIP as a metric, he's still a slightly above average pitcher. But slightly above average pitcher on opening day means that you're kind of a bad pitcher. So I am happy to take the Brewers here. I think people will generally be off it. And I think you could have low ownership with, with potentially pretty big upside. Yeah, and again, it, it kind of does check that box of like, are you worried about weather? No, it's in a dome, right? Like you're low K, low K kind of pitcher, really, really good offense. I'm with it. They aren't priced in a place where they're showing it. Those guys are showing up as much in our system. Uh, but right. for baseball, look, the edges of baseball can be pretty thin when it comes to some of these, especially some of these hitter stacks, mostly because the variance is so nuts on a game-to-game basis or day-to-day basis that you're, you know, most systems are going to be drawing out the Cubs and the Yankees on a day like today. So on the off chance that those teams score like four runs and the Brewers score seven in a, in a situation where, you know, they're not so many percentage points less likely to do something like that. This is the kind of thing that gives you big separation in baseball. It can also make baseball maddening for you on, if you grind it over the course of the whole season, right? Like if you play these, if you if you play these edges over the course of the season, you are going to profit. It's just that on a night to night basis, it can be hard to watch. You know, a Yankee team that's projected for six runs score three and a half, and you have them all over your cash games. Now, again, over the course of the season, it's not going to happen. But baseball, baseball really does. If, 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 if I was going to say it favors the bold, it really favors the patient, right? Like it, t- it favors the just don't get stuck. Yeah. If, you, if, you're, if you're a results-oriented kind of tilty person, just take the summer off. Baseball is not for you. Like that's just The good not- news is, but you have seven months, so you have plenty of time to practice your patience. Baseball <laughs> begins today, March 28th, and we'll see you at the World Series. <laughs> We're going every day. Find us at dfsr.com slash deals or slash MLB. Uh, we have our new MLB sales page if you want to look more specifically at MLB stuff. But uh, we'll be here all seven months, buddy. So buckle up. It's going to be a great ride. And I said, remind me about this lineup thing. I'm just going to talk about it on Friday because I want to see how it plays off the first day. It's about the Major League Baseball okay. having to report their lineups to the, to the league first before they can report to any beat writers or anything like that. It's going to be interesting to see how mm. that plays out in terms of the timeliness of lineups. Like in the past... Lineups would come out Gross. like two, two and a half to three hours ahead of time. But now with uh, legal betting, they've made a rule that no one can have the edge. Like they base, basically, the, the it's going to get reported to the league and then get reported to everybody at the same time. So there's going to be almost like no edge in finding that lineup earlier 
uh, than others. So uh, uh, I guess well, for I'll, betting purposes, for DFS, it shouldn't affect things too much unless unless it's hours behind. Yeah. That's the only problem. Exactly. Like if, right. if, 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 <laughs> if it ends up being many hours in terms to report it, then that's the one thing. But I guess I'll save my opinion on that for tomorrow when we actually watch it in practice. All right, dfsr.com slash deals. We'll get you started, buddy. Enjoy opening day of baseball. Talk to you again Friday when we break down some more MLB. Thanks, pal. The housing industry is changing a lot, quickly. That's why we made the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. We're bringing together industry leaders to talk about market trends and the financing behind them. Subscribe and download wherever you get your podcasts. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. 